Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Nerd Party. Scully? Yes? Marry me. I love you and I like you. I love you and I like you. I love that woman. I love her more than sharks love blood. I love you. You know. Hello, I'm Tristan Riddell. And I'm the girl. And this is Nerd Nuptial episode 133. Today we're going to be talking about a lot of things, but our primary topic is once upon a time, dot, 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 in Hollywood. <laughs> and uh, we got to see it over the weekend. It's opening weekend. As, a, as of the time of this recording, it's still opening weekend. And we got to see it on Friday. And uh, uh, we're Tarantino fans for the most part, like with like the... We, we're early not, Tarantino. Early Tarantino. Like, we're not obsessive fans. We're like, oh, my God, everything that he touches is gold. <laughs> because there's a lot of things that we don't like right. of his. But it was... Uh, but the stuff More that we... More recent. <laughs> yes. But the stuff we do like is very, very good. And so that's going to be our main topic today. But we have a lot of other things to discuss. For those of you, if this is your first time listening, we are a married couple looking at nerdy life looking through married life through a nerdy lens i could go either yeah, way nerdy life it, through a married lens whatever you want yeah, to say it's been a long time since you've given that introduction so <laughs> it is true it's been a while since i've yeah. given that introduction because um we wanted to address that because usually um for how many years we've been doing this we either give it to you give you an episode every week or no later than i mean like three times a month like yeah. that was that was what we tried to do for a very long time. And even when we had Ripley, even when we had a little girl who's two and a half now or almost two and a half, mm-hmm. um, we would give you once a week or at least three times a month like that. That was our goal. Uh, but lately, I think the biggest thing and it, we'll just be honest with you guys is that uh, she is just not sleeping the same way. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. We used to have a kid that went to bed at six and now we have a kid that goes to bed at nine and parents uh, out there understand that <laughs> kids, when they grow older, they they basically dictate bedtime. And unfortunately, even if we put her to bed at like seven, she's mm-hmm. still up at nine and that doesn't really lend itself to us recording because we're still trying to coax her to go to bed, and, unfortunately. And Ripley is the type of kid where... You can't just like put her in a corner and let her do her own thing. Like no. we are with her 100% of the day that she's either awake and crazy or asleep. Yeah. And so when nine o'clock rolls around, we got stuff to do. Yeah. We either have to like <laughs> take care of functioning as a like people or we're just dead tired. That's like, yeah, this is not happening. <laughs> and so we really do apologize to you guys because we really... Um, we really like podcasting. We really like. We do. We really like talking with you guys. We mm-hmm. we we like a lot of you have uh, messaged me on Twitter 
or on Facebook or via email saying like, hey, where are you guys? Yeah, or we is feel that, bad. Like you guys have checked in, like, is everything okay? And like, we know, and a lot of, even without us even addressing it on on, on the air, people have said like, hey, we know your lives are crazy and um, we know that you'll give us content when you can. And so we really do appreciate your we understanding. Do. And we know that not everybody can wait. Like you're, you're supposed to give new content every week at the same time, same bat channel, same bat time. And we just are not in a place to do that right now. And we know that certain things will suffer, but that's just how it is. Yeah, we're kind of getting used to our new normal. And I'm, I'm sure we've maybe said this before, you know, when Ripley's gone through other like transitions and usually has to do with sleep. And yeah. as parents, you're always sleep deprived. But um, we do love podcasting. We appreciate you guys for being loyal and listening to us right now yes because if you are listening to this episode you are most likely a loyal listener someone <laughs> who's right. been with us since the beginning <laughs> uh but if you if you haven't been with us since the beginning and this is your first episode uh one of our favorite things to do is movie reviews new movie reviews mm-hmm. and our last episode which was 20 days ago mm-hmm. uh was the new release of spider-man far from home and thankfully this uh movie is not a franchise film it's not a superhero film yeah. it's an original film and there's nobody in capes and flying around anything like that even though we love that stuff we do it's nice to get away from that it's true. every now and again mm-hmm. but before we get into that uh we we have been able to catch up on some tv yeah and one thing i mean we're to- we were totally behind the times on this one like everybody and their mom had seen this before us and it actually took lee hutchison uh from <laughs> it usually Phil- does if you <laughs> from filibuster and uh and A24 um, on, on the network, you know, go to the nerdparty.com, check out his shows. And um, he also, he hosts them with Dallas King, two great guys who uh, just have just, some, just amazing content. They give you, they mm-hmm. have great interviews. They have great um, insight. And uh, from Filibuster and A24 Project, it's just great stuff. Everybody yeah, they put a lot of work into their shows. It's fantastic. They really do. Like yeah. they, they travel to location. They go to film festivals. Yeah. It's it's just absolutely amazing. And while I'm bragging on them, I want to brag on everybody else. I mean, yeah. like, there is there is something for everyone at thenerdparty.com. There's Star Wars content. There's Star Trek content. There's Babylon 5 content. There's Doctor Who content. There's other movie podcasts. Yeah, there's, we're really proud of that. There, there's mm-hmm. uh, Missing Frames just came out with a fantastic episode about alien and awesome it's just everybody check that one out. every yeah we, we're giving you new content every single day of the week mm-hmm. and you guys really need to go to the nerdparty.com okay so the show that i was talking about was fleabag yeah which is a british show yes it's, a, um, it's a amazon original. prime is how we are able to access it um so if you have amazon prime you can watch it right now if you want to and, and a lot of people do yeah absolutely and there's two seasons available to you right now. And they're only, there's six episodes each season. Each episode is only like 20, 25 minutes or right. something like that. And we were like, okay, well, let's try the show because Lee, it's funny because like you'll say like, oh, so-and-so recommended this or something like that. And I'll like just ignore you. And then if Lee <laughs> says it, I'll be like, okay, let's try it. <laughs> even, and like, even though like I, I love Lee to death and we bring, the, we bring this up all the time um, and he knows I love him. But even though we we take his recommendations very seriously, even though we've been burned the hardest by him, <laughs> because it's either like a love or hate with yeah. when his, his recommendations. There's there's no middle yeah, ground. It's, it's really just like funny. oh my gosh, this is like the coolest new thing. Thank you, Lee. Or the other other times, it's just like 
do you hate me? Do you not like <laughs> me as a friend? Is that why you subjected me to this content? <laughs> you more so than me. Me more so, yes. Yes, it's um, true. Yeah, but something that loyal listeners will know is that we love breaking the fourth wall. When a character breaks the fourth wall and looks at the camera and talks directly to us, we feel special. We're and such suckers we for the are content. suckers for that. And so Lee Hutchison is like, hey, I know you love that. Um, so he said to Tristan, like, check this show out. It's called Fleabag. I think he called it a banger. A banger. Yeah. Okay. Well. Cracker. So <laughs> we watched the first season and we were, I was engaged. Like, even the first episode, I was like, okay, I can see where they're going. I wasn't. And you weren't. No. And I was like, okay, because I think I just really love it when they break the fourth wall that much that mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, let's keep giving this a shot. And by the end, we were like, all right, yeah, let's go on to the second season. The second season, we were in love. Devoured it. Yes. And we were like, this is amazing show. This is so fantastic. I think that the first season, they're definitely like trying to find themselves a little bit. And some of the content for our taste is a little bit mm, like raunchier than we usually go. Yes. Raunchy in a way like... You know, there's a little bit more, there's more sex than we usually like in a, a show. And it wasn't even so much the, um, this, the sexual situations itself, but it was very, um, vulgar in terms of conversation. Sure. Things sure. that she talked about. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not saying like you're watching, you're not watching no, like it, something on Cinemax it's or something like that. probably tame for a lot of people, but I'm our, sure. for our taste. Our personal taste. Right. No judgment on people who don't bat an eye at that. Right. Uh, but for those of you who don't know, it's um, written and produced and starring Phoebe Waller-Bridge, mm-hmm. who is really hot right now. Mm-hmm. Like she, um, like Fleabag started as a one-woman show, and I think it was a one-woman show. It was either it was either a, a one-woman show or a stage play. I can't okay. remember, but it was her. And so she got the show made, and she got a lot of attention, um, and she was the robot. The android in Solo. Oh, okay. Like the, the the snarky mouthed one. Okay. Um, she I, was. Yeah, I can't remember the name of the droid. Oh my and gosh, we're terrible. Nerds. I know Darren Darren Moser. Um, he on, dressed up. He, yeah, he has a uh, he has a really really awesome like everyone needs to check him out. He's a he is a co-host on SETI Alpha Three on uh, at the nerdparty.com and he has a legit suit. Um, suit. That is, I can't think of the character's name. Oh, he's going to hate this. Um, <laughs> but yes, like Star Wars fans know what I'm talking about. She was the voice for that, for that droid. And, and now, now she's either rewriting or, or writing or punching up the Bond film, the, the latest Bond film. All by herself? Yeah. That's amazing. But like, that's the thing. Like, I don't know if she's... Like, I don't know if she's just punching it up, the pre-existing script, or if she is, um, or, or if she is uh, writing it from scratch. Like, I, I'm not quite sure, but she is heavily involved wow. with the script. Well, I think the, in Fleabag, what really, it, what makes the show is her 100%. Like, I oh, like yeah. the ensemble just fine. Like, it's entertaining, but like. It's her. Like it's you're her watching it for her. Mm-hmm. If you don't like her, then you're not going to like the show. Exactly. And that was one thing that I kind of struggled with at the beginning because okay. at the top at the top of the show, um, it's not like we were watching Breaking Bad. And I hate to call her this, but she was kind of the anti-hero. 
Yeah, like she's not like they don't necessarily put her in the best light. Like she's she's a thief. She, yeah, she's not the best person. She mistreats her boyfriend. Right. She's um. We're not spoiling anything. We're not spoiling yeah. anything. I I would say she's. Would you say she's an alcoholic or was that somebody else? I don't yeah. know. Like, but the, like she did a lot of bad things. Like things right. that were you're just kind of like, oh, I don't know if I like you. You're not really a good person. Like, do I want to spend time with this person? But that, you're an interesting person. Exactly. That's the thing. <laughs> she wa- she is and was an interesting person. And mm-hmm. so that's what carried you along. And uh, it's funny because like I was talking with Lee about it and he just kept just going on and on about how great the pilot was. And after we watched the pilot, I was just like, I don't know about that one. <laughs> I, I didn't really like the pilot. And I actually talked with some more friends, of my, American friends of mine. And they all felt the same exact way that you and I did, where they're just like, uh, it doesn't really get good until the end of the first season. Oh, interesting. So maybe it's, it's an American, American thing. thing? Oh, I'm not quite sure. Oh, interesting. I don't know. Because the second season, um, who's the actor they bring on in the second season? It's not spilling anything. Love that guy. I um, love that. He, was, yeah, he, he played was Moriarty in Sherlock. Yeah. He's a fantastic actor, but he is just... He plays a priest. He's a fantastic addition to the show in the second season and i think like if you're gonna add people into the cast like that's the type of person you need to add in and it works so well andrew scott okay andrew scott yeah um he was so, in an episode of black mirror yes he lately was, mm-hmm. um he was in uh specter for a little bit yeah and we really like him yeah and he was uh the main thing that i know him from is sherlock mm-hmm. he plays a really fascinating moriarty oh yeah yeah, so good. So if you're interested in doing a show that's quick, very little time commitment. Very little time commitment and, you know, just you like the fourth wall breaking. You have to like that because mm-hmm. And we're big House of Cards we fans. We are huge fans of And we of actually that. hated it when Frakes started talking to the camera less and less. Oh yeah. Yeah. And and, and Fleabag, which there is no character name for her. It's just she Fleabag. Is, she is she's, not addressed in the show by her Fleabag. name. She's Fleabag. She's <laughs> Fleabag. Yeah. So if you're interested in it, give it a shot. Absolutely. It is worth your time. It is worth your time. And if you feel like it's, if, you, if you're intrigued, but you're not really loving it, stick it through the first season. Yes. And if you're like us, then you'll like the second. <laughs> right. And it's getting all the Emmys. Yeah. The second season is getting yeah. all and the Yeah. And the writing is so fantastic. It deserves... It really does. It absolutely does. Nominations. Um, we also were able to watch Stranger Things. And this was at the... Uh, season three. This was season three. So this was a while ago. This was Independence Day mm-hmm. that it came out. And we got to watch it that weekend. And we really wanted a podcast about it, but we just, just didn't couldn't. happen. And then actually, we uh, a uh, longtime listener of the show actually messaged me and said, are you going to talk about Stranger Things? And the more we thought about it like the more distance that we had between us watching it and and um season three was it was kind of a like eh, do we need to podcast about it right yeah like spoiler not spoiling but like spoiling our feelings it was kind of unremarkable in my opinion yeah i think it's kind of funny because we got done with season three and we were like hey remember that magic that was season one Mm -hmm. of stranger things and I think part of it is that they had something really unique and different in Stranger Things season one. And I mean, that's true for every show, right? It was something new. It was something fun and nostalgic. And then now, like even season two and three, it just feels like we're trying to keep 
these keep with these characters even though i felt like those characters story kind of ended and yeah. so now it just kind of feels like the creators are just trying to come up with more stories from the upside down to throw at them so that they have a show longer does it feel that way to you it it definitely feels like the first season is by far, in my opinion, I think your opinion too, oh, the yeah. best season. Definitely. By a lot, by yes. a wide margin. Because yes. season two, there was a lot that we didn't like. A lot. Basically, the first half of the season yeah. felt like a complete waste. But once they were, um, in, like towards the later half of season two, there were some like amazing episodes. Yes. Yes, there was. Fantastic. There was. They, mm-hmm. But they didn't use their time wisely. No. In season three... I didn't feel like there was any sluggish episodes, but it was just... Unremarkable. Unremarkable overall. And it got a little predictable. It got like, oh, like I feel like Eleven has gotten Superman syndrome. Oh, yeah. Where whenever there's any kind of danger and Eleven is nearby, it's like, oh, God, this is the end. Ha-ha! And Eleven pops out and right. uses her powers. And I think that you could argue that with time, she's honing her powers. You could argue that, you know. But at the same time, it feels like she's just kind of like the magic button that they use to get yes. out of every situation. Yes. So no matter what it is. And it just, it feels, it doesn't feel special anymore. But to answer your question that I totally didn't okay. about about the feeling of season one and are they just extending things. I feel like they got lightning in a bottle mm-hmm. for season one. And they're like, we need to continue this. But which the, I get. Which I get this. I, I get th- I get it. And I think a lot of people would disagree with what I'm about to say. And I okay. understand that. Um, you and I thought this would have made a great anthology series. Oh, yeah. Like, call it Stranger Things. I thought that this very first season, I was like, call it Stranger Things and then have a different, like, monster every season. Or just season. keep it with the upside down, but change out the cast, maybe change right. out the time period. Right, but here's the thing, is that cast has become so famous and, like... And that's why I think a lot of people right. disagree with me. Right, absolutely. Is that, like, oh, well, the, show is, the show is that cast. <sighs> I don't know. Or make it something like um, American Horror Story and change it up a little bit, because right now I just feel like... Maybe it's because they're getting older too, right? They're like not the cute kids anymore, but it just doesn't feel as special. It feels no. a little bit more like, all right, let's see what happens this week. <laughs> yeah, I just, I feel like it would have made a great um, limited event series. I think mm-hmm. it would have made a great mini series. Like mm-hmm. this is a one-off. Like if they weren't going to do the anthology route, like this is a story. Right. And I think we even said after our review of season one, like as soon as Will coughed up the slug at the end i'm like oh we're gonna get a season two yep like it's gonna be we're, oh, gonna, yeah. we're gonna keep seeing these yeah, kids yeah absolutely and i know people will probably think i'm crazy but i'm okay with ditching this cast at this point yeah and yeah. um you know like you don't know what season four is gonna look like because of how it ended we're not gonna spoil anything nope. for anybody no um but it does end in a unique way where you're just like oh where are we gonna go yeah. Where are we going to go from here? If you wanted to, you could close a chapter. But that was the same situation with season one or two, right? Yeah. Like, technically, you could even have a cliffhanger or whatever. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. We'll see. And so that's the thing is that, like, we don't really want to get into specifics because we don't want to spoil anything. And also, at the same time, we weren't jazzed about it. And so we don't want to fill a whole episode of it. Yeah. But we were jazzed to go see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. 
Yes. 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 <laughs> it kind of happened sporadically, like that we were like, oh, we can go. We yeah. Can, we and can then go we went see the next it. Day, yeah. yeah. So, um, which doesn't always happen. We usually have to plan pretty far in advance having Ripley when we go to the theater. Um, but we went to like, what was it? Like a 10 a.m.? We had we had to go to a 10 a.m. one because our um, your parents, my in-laws, are amazing people and they live nearby and we have so much support we have such a great support system here and we were with them we were having dinner and i get a message from schindler mike schindler who hosts uh retrospective uh, at the nerdparty.com uh he um texts the group in our in our private slack channel that we have for the network and he said he's like once upon a time is amazing go see it and i i texted him because you and i when we saw, first saw the trailer, we're like, this is exciting. Like, this has so many great people we like oh, in yeah. it. Or with a director that we like. And uh, it's just like this, just the, the feeling of it. The, uh, it feels right. The nostalgia, just everything about it just feels perfect. But it had Sharon Tate in it. Yeah. And we all know... Um, that, well, for those of you who well, don't know. Well, I guess those who you don't know, like it's... I mean, Sharon Tate is an actress who was brutally murdered by right. the Charlie Manson she, family. Right. And she was pregnant. And she was very pregnant. Yeah. She was like eight and a half months pregnant. And listeners will know that we just can't do that type of storyline. And nor do we want to. Nor do we want to... And Tarantino is a very violent director. He is. And you know going into any of his films that you're going to see extreme violence. Like... Too far violence. Like, mm-hmm. you know that going in. And um, so I I told you, I was like, you might have to go see it by yourself because I can't And I it. didn't want to see it without you. Right. And so I was like, let's right. just wait for it to to rent mm-hmm. so that way we can fast forward anything right. that we need to fast forward. And Tarantino's forward. important to us in our relationship because that's something that we bonded over when we were dating um, because I was a Tarantino fan before I met you and mm-hmm. you were too. And we've brought we've this marathoned. up. We've marathoned it together so many when times. While we were dating. Yes, while we were dating. Um, like, I think... You know, Tarantino was one of those directors that really got me in high school and made me really love film. Like when I was watching like Kill Bill came out like when we were in high school and it was just like I was like, I have never seen anything like this. This is amazing. (laughs) I was like such a film nerd at that time doing like like watching. I was like, no, guys, you don't understand. This is amazing. And um, whereas everyone else was like, you know, just hanging out and watching it. And I was like, no, we have to watch this movie. We have to watch it we have to watch it and um so we bonded over talking about like pulp fiction and mm-hmm. we even danced uh the mia wallace dance and yeah. john travolta dance we on, did the, uh, the chuck berry yeah, song chuck berry you never can tell at our wedding pulp like fiction. that was yeah that was our first dance yeah so it's important to us for sure and um we haven't seen a, t- a tarantino film in the theater in the theater since death proof and we were so excited to go see that together in college. I think it was. And it was in college. Yeah. We were burned we so much. In like we were, I was just like, oh, this is terrible. We hated death. Hated it so. I was much. like, what is this? This is Garbage. not the classic Tarantino that I know and love. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we skipped like. Um, we skipped several well, seeing them in theater. We 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 skipped all of them. We skipped right. all of them seeing in theater. Right. And like I didn't like Inglorious Bastards. No. Um, 
Django, I tried to convince myself that I liked it, but honestly, it's it, just I okay. I don't like it. No. It's okay. I don't like it. And Hateful Eight, I haven't seen. Right. Because the content, I've been, I've, I've made, made myself aware of the content inside and I'm just like, I don't want to put that stuff in my brain. Right. And maybe I'm wrong. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who are saying, screaming like, how can you call yourself a Tarantino film if I haven't seen his <laughs> latest, you know, besides oh, come on. Once Upon a Time. But I mean, maybe <laughs> maybe I'll give it a shot. Maybe I'll watch. Like Schindler was was one of those people who was just like, dude. Really? Yeah. Like, what are you doing? I don't know. Um, but give me Reservoir Dogs. Give me Pulp Fiction. Like, I just feel like he messes it up until. Until. Once Upon a Time. Once Upon a Time. Because like what Schindler did was that he. Like he messaged us, and I'm not spoiling any, anything for for you guys, but like it's he said that he's like he's like don't worry, it's handled well, and I'm like okay. He's like, do you want me to spoil it for you? I go no, mm-hmm. like don't spoil anything for you. He's like he's like he's like you and the girl can absolutely handle this. That's what he said. It's like okay. you and the girl can absolutely right. handle this, and he knows intimately right. like what we went through right with with ripley and everything else and our sensitivity to pregnant women in film right and anything involving pregnancy and film right, and everything like right. that um and so we're like let's so, go do it okay let's, go, let's go let's go do this and so basically since schindler gave us the green light <laughs> we, we decided to go see the film um I do want to get into spoiler territory. We, with will. This. we will. We will. We will. Um, and we'll let you guys know. And clearly you can understand that we liked the film based on how we're talking. <laughs> um, so what were you expecting first going into the film? Going into the film, I was hoping, not expecting, but hoping for classic Tarantino. Mm-hmm. Because that's the feeling that I got. There is a huge divergence. Oh, yeah. From like... From Kill Bill Volume Two and before mm-hmm. is what I call classic Tarantino. Me too. And then Inglorious Bass, and then uh, then you have um, Death Proof, mm-hmm. and later mm-hmm. is what I'd call New Age Tarantino. Right. We don't like New Age Tarantino. No. And so when we went to go, when we saw the trailer, I was like, "This feels. I feel like I'm in high school." Right. Right. I feel. I I like. I went to a midnight showing of Kill Bill Volume Two. Nice. And because it was the, we saw it the night that we graduated high school. Beautiful. A group of us went together. Like what we did was like that day, we got out of school early. We marathon, we watched Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction. Um, Jackie Brown. We Yeah, Jackie Brown. And then volume one. And then we went to the midnight showing of Kill Bill volume two. Oh, that sounds like so much fun. It was so much fun. It was our core group. Awesome. And we all loved film. Mm-hmm. You know, we like we were all we were the creative nerdy kids. Yeah. You know, in high school, and um, so I love that era. Like that day was just filled with classic Tarantino, and it like seeing the trailer for Once Upon a Time, um, it it, it just brought back that wave of nostalgia sure. of what he used to be like. Yeah. And so that's what I was hoping for. I wanted to get that feeling of it. And what what were you expecting or hoping? I think that I was scared because I I felt so burned by Death Proof On type mm-hmm. of Tarantino films, uh, and it just didn't feel like it doesn't feel like him. Like some of those films don't feel the way I felt like you were talking about in high school, where you're like mesmerized by the script, right, and just like the dialogue's fantastic and the acting is just so. So Tarantino, there's, mm-hmm. there's not really, you know what I'm talking about. Like, it's just like that 
honest dialogue and the 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 person the personas in there are so rich and like well developed and you're just like I know who that person is uh and it just feels like all of the actors are having fun mm-hmm. like even if they're in a super dramatic scene it's just fun it's like a f- usually they're fun even if they're dealing with like very like dark content it's a fun feeling um but looking at all the stars that were in this one I was like there's a chance like <laughs> Brad Pitt and Leo DiCaprio Margot and Robbie. Margot Robbie. Like, there's a chance. Maybe it'll be good. And it did feel classic. But I was like, but does it just feel classic? Or is it classic Tarantino? So I was maybe more guarded, but I had hope that it would be good. And, you know, leaving leaving the theater, what were you thinking? That could rank up there with my favorite Tarantino. And what is your favorite Tarantino? Well, that's a hard question because I really want to see this one again. Um, I think... Like not including uh, this one? Not including this one? Yeah. Uh, I'd probably f- Pulp Fiction just because it's it's so class. Like it's Pulp Fiction. It freaking won the Palme d'Or. It, you can't get any better than that. Yeah. Um, but nostalgia wise and probably just like fun to watch, it would be Kill Bill. Um. And I combine them one and two. So. so you combine them? Yeah. I see them as two separate movies. You do? Tarantino sees them as one. I see them as one. Like that's why. When and pe- I love all of it. When people like he's calling Once Upon a Time his ninth movie. People are like, no, it's your 10th movie. He's like, no. It's you mean, my, yeah, that's how I view it. It's, it's my ninth it's, movie. It's one story. Uh-huh. So that's how I view it. What about you? I No, I'm, I'm the same way. I'm the, like Pulp Fiction. Okay. Is my Like not including Once Upon a Time. Pulp Fiction is my favorite. Okay. Then Volume Two. Okay. So because like I see I see a distinct like there it's one story you're right but I see a distinct difference between Volume One and Volume Two. Well, yeah, they're they feel different, but mm-hmm. it's still it's still one story. But I like I would rewatch Volume Two more than, than I would volume rewatch one? Volume One. Yeah, hmm. I really would. Hmm. <laughs> okay. That's just me. I'm not saying okay. it's the way to go for everybody. So walking out. Walking out. How did you feel? You and I normally wait to talk mm-hmm. about how we feel about the movie until we podcast. Yes. And we couldn't wait. No. And oftentimes when we can't wait, that means we love it. And we right when we got in the car, like I turned the key and I just looked at you and I was like, that was freaking fantastic. <laughs> and you're like, I know. <laughs> and we just started gushing about yeah. the movie. Yeah. It, like walking out of the theater, I'm like, that is the most enjoyable movie I've seen in so long in years. Yeah, in yeah, literally years. And I'm not just talking about in the theater. I'm just talking about movie wise. I I think I was like grinning the whole time because it was just it gave me nostalgia of why I loved Tarantino back in the day. It was the story was fantastic mm-hmm. and. I just, and all the acting was, I mean, what you would expect from that cast. And the trailer was accurate. Yes, it was. And that yes, it was. that rarely happens, I feel like, nowadays. Or you just immediately know it's, like, terrible because they've, like, shown you too much information. Yeah, they didn't pull a Rogue One. No, no. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I cannot say enough good. I, I even said to you, like, this only happens a few times where I'm like, you need to pre-order that. 
<laughs> that very rare, I think the only other time that you told me about that was like Spider-Verse or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. And that was Actually, no, you didn't even tell me no, that. I, I, I wanted to do that for you. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, this is, yeah. But the, yeah, this is something yeah. that we're going to own and watch multiple times. Oh, yeah. Like I've gotten to the point where I don't feel the need to own everything we like. Because like if we just need to watch it one other time or two other times, you could just rent it. And right. it's still cheaper than buying it. Exactly. Uh, I've gotten to that point. I feel like an old man saying that. Um, <laughs> but You've changed. I have changed. Uh, but yeah, like the trailer totally didn't lie to us. The acting was fantastic. The camera work was phenomenal. And it wasn't showy. Because there's certain times, like there was a lot of driving and death proof, obviously. And mm-hmm. it felt like very showy camera work where it's like, look at me, look at me. Right. And with this one, there was a lot of driving too and but it it felt complimentary to the story it felt complimentary to the character and it's just it we keep talking about classic tarantino this movie very much feels like classic tarantino but it feels like a much more mature filmmaker it does and to see that kind of growth while at the same time going back to his roots it's a weird dichotomy yeah but it's a very welcome one Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, whatever he's doing right now, keep doing it. Keep doing it. Yeah. And he says he's only going to do one more. Film? Yeah. Just total? And I hate okay. that. Like, if you... T- so, if you- 10 films? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, it, like it was... If you asked me six months ago, oh, like, uh, you know, like, uh, after Once Upon a Time, he's only going to make one more, I'd be like, eh, okay. You know, mm-hmm. whatever. I haven't liked his last four. Right. But after this but one, I'm just like, like no, I no, want no, no, more. If keep this going. is what you're doing, then keep doing it. If this is what you're doing, keep doing it. Right. And <laughs> side note, his last film, there is a large chance his last film could be a Star Trek film. That's so weird. <laughs> it's so weird. A it's Tarantino so weird. Star Trek film. Yeah, he described it as Pulp Fiction in Space. What alternate reality are we living in where Tarantino makes a Star Trek film? This is weird. Well, apparently the Kelvin verse is where we're living. Because <laughs> okay. that's, yeah. <laughs> okay actually he was in a a podcast interview uh last week and somebody actually got him to talk about the star trek film Mm. and he hasn't had a chance to go over the script yet because somebody else wrote it and so he's going to go over it and basically like tarantinoize it yeah he's going to tarantinoize it because he's he's the he's the writer and director on his films Mm -hmm. and so he he for himself needs to be heavily involved in the script sure process um and so he's he said he's like if i if i get my hands on it it's going to be r if i direct it it's going to be r which i don't like i don't want a star trek an r-rated star trek film but i'm also old enough and mature enough to realize that not everything has to be for me not never not not everything in a franchise has to be just for me that's Um, true but but isn't isn't star trek supposed to be for like everyone that would be my argument. Okay. Um, but I feel like franchises need to try different things or they're going to die. And Star Trek movies, mm-hmm. I think TV's doing fine right now. Okay. But Star Trek movies, if they don't try something different, they're going to die. They're going to die. They're going to die. Okay. And I'm not saying that has to be Tarantino. Right. But I applaud them for trying something different. Now, um, a year ago, like we found out that this might happen and I and I, I got into arguments with people. I was like, it's never going to happen. Never going to happen. <laughs> Not the Tarantino part, but the R rating. Okay. I was like, really an R rated Star Trek film? Like Star Trek Beyond was a PG-13 film and PG-13 films 
um, on average, make way more than R-rated films. Sure. And this is already a dying movie franchise. You're really going to slap an R rating on a dying yeah, movie franchise? Yeah, sense. And everyone keeps going back, but Deadpool, Deadpool. Shut up. <laughs> Star Trek isn't Deadpool. Star Trek isn't Deadpool. No. Um, but yeah, regardless, it would be really interesting if Tarantino... Like, it's funny because like, as soon as I left the theater of Once Upon a Time, I was like, bring on the Star- the the Tarantino Star Trek film. Okay. That's how jazzed I was. And then like I calmed down an hour later. I'm like, mm, I still don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but they're not calling me up and asking That's me true. what they're my opinion is. That's true. They're not asking you. Well, we obviously both liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, should we get into some spoiler territory? I don't know oh. if we need to spoil stuff just yet. I mean, like, oh, what, okay. we're, what we're... I mean, I guess if you want to. I mean, we, we can say, like, um, obviously we we recommend you go see it yes like i'm telling everybody yes like if you are interested in this film go see it in the theater yes you're i agree, s- you agree. oh you're yeah saying the same 100%. thing 100 okay. it is worth the ticket it's long it's two hours and 45 minutes it is it is a long but it did not feel it, did, it didn't long. it didn't slag on yeah like no it i was interested the entire time in fact like i had to pee once and i was like really upset that i had to go pee <laughs> And once I, again, you chose the I, absolute oh my gosh, wrong I, time to go. I am terrible at choosing moments to pee. It's just horrible. You are so good at it. I, I usually am just like, okay, they were still talking in the diner. It's cool, whatever. And me, like people get married, people die. <laughs> I like the whole plot has changed. Costumes have changed. Like locations have changed. And I think I'm doing the right the right move. And it just it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's a it's a knack that I have. I, it's on my resume. Okay. Uh, but yeah, okay. So we can we can go ahead and get in spoiler territory. So we can really talk about it. So if you have not seen it yet, Wait. go see it and then listen to the rest of this podcast. But we're already at the thirty six minute mark. So we gave you thirty six minutes worth of content. If you haven't seen it yet, <laughs> uh, but if you have, you can see you can continue to listen. So spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. spoiler. You have been warned. So obviously, the big spoiler. Pretty much the only thing that you could really spoil is that it's an alternate reality. It's a story. Right. That didn't happen. It's a happen. story, Once Upon a Time. Once Upon a Time, dot, 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 in Hollywood. That's why we didn't get the title card until the end of the movie. Because mm-hmm. it reinforced the idea of Once Upon a Time. Right. This is a story. This right. is not how it happened, exactly. obviously. Sharon yeah. Tate, like Sharon Tate survives. Mm-hmm. Like she was never accosted. She was never attacked. She never died. Right. And life's going to turn out differently. Right, exactly. And um, it, it just was interesting because you, you knew that the stories were going to converge somewhere and you knew it was probably going to happen at the end, you know. But and, and the, I don't know, what point did you realize it was like an alternate reality? Well, okay, here's the thing. I feel like about halfway through the movie. Or just a story. Not necessarily an alternate reality, but just yeah, a just, story, yeah, right? I mean, we're so ingrained <laughs> I know. in superheroes and science right. fiction that we're like, Alt- AU. It's a story. It's an AU story. <laughs> uh, no, with uh, um, about halfway through the movie, I thought this might not end... The same way. The same way, because we want to see Brad Pitt kick ass. <laughs> and the only way that we're going to see him kick ass or like, you know, like uh, take on the Manson family is if things happen that didn't happen in history. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay. But the thing is, like Schindler telling me that we don't see any violence towards Tate, that kind of helped me think. Which we asked for. Which we asked for. It was totally 100% not his fault. He didn't spoil a single thing for us. No, we asked him to tell us that 
detail. Yes, and just the sheer action of him saying you don't see any violence towards Tate. We got to go see a really awesome movie. <laughs> yeah, and like, but the thing is, like, him saying that made me think the entire movie. Okay, why don't we see it? Right, right. Which you only natural. Only natural. And so, because I kept thinking that, and the way things were going, and once we got to know Cliff a little bit more, Brad Pitt's character, I was like, okay, maybe, maybe we're not going to see it. Like, maybe he's going to pull like an Inglorious Bastards. They kill Hitler. At right. The end of, right. At the end of the movie. Right. You know. Exactly. And I'm like, okay, so he's done this before. Right. This is nothing new for Tarantino. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's that's when I figured it out. Now, so was that kind of the same story as you? Yeah, I I mean, I don't know necessarily what the moment was. Um, it might have been later in the film for me, but I was like, there's no way this is going to end the same way. And maybe it's because I was like, <laughs> I felt like I was able to go see it because we had talked and like, okay, so either it's, things are going to stop right before. Right. Um, and that was something that I did have in my head. I was like, okay, it maybe this, but I think, I mean, probably the point where it was really reinforced home was when, like, Leo DiCaprio was, like, yelling at them in their car. I was like, okay, things are going to be different. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, But I wasn't sure. I was like, okay, do we just kind of, like, dot, 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 like, you know, they do die, but we don't see it. Or we see the aftermath, you know, which I didn't want to see either. So I think that there was a part of that where I was like, oh, I just hope we don't see anything. Um, So maybe just for me it was later. It was later. Yeah, I don't. I think. Uh, I mean, if Schindler didn't tell us that, I probably. I don't know if I would have come to that conclusion before we saw it. Mm-hmm. And there's no way that I can think about it now. There's no way right. that I can separate the the two events. Right. Um. And I, I'm fine with it. Oh yeah. I don't think anything was ruined whatsoever. Even if even if he flat out spoiled it for me. Mm-hmm. No, nothing, nothing was nothing ruined. Nothing would have been ruined. No. I, I mean, like that's how good it was. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, from from the moment go, like when we start, you know, sorry, watching the film, just the dynamic of something that's always interesting to me is when two strong actors can play so well on each other, and you are a hundred percent with both of them. Mm-hmm. Like Leo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt are such powerhouses of talent, but I totally 100% believe that they were like, what, ha- what was the phrase that they used? I love like Kurt Russell <laughs> yeah. uh, narrated, yeah. uh, t- he had two sections of narration and he said, he's like, uh, he's like, well, you know, when you're, um, when you're more than brothers, but little less than wives or like, yeah, like when you're, when your best friend is more than a brother, but little less than a wife, yeah. getting drunk is kind of the best way to go out or so- something right, like that. Right, right. And it was just, you know, like I hundred percent loved their relationship mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, was it somewhat one-sided? Yes. And yet you just were like, they cared about each other. So even when like Cliff had to do all the grunt work for um, Rick, Rick, it was okay because they both were getting something out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and they even established that at the top they of the film did. where like, like Rick, I'm, I'm sorry, like, uh, like, uh, like, uh, Rick was talking with Cliff about like getting him stunt work and, and Cliff's like, listen, I haven't been your stunt man for years. I'm your driver. He's like, don't get me wrong. He's like, it, you know, it pays well. Um, I get to house it 
in a in a in the hills for you right you know, like and like you know like you talked about the hours and like so and he was genuine you could tell he was genuinely appreciative yeah of the work that he was getting yeah and so right off the bat you're just like okay he's not taking advantage of him no. he's taking care of him right and yet at the same time like you know there were moments where there was a moment where like uh rick got cliff the job and like put his, himself out there and was like no you're doing this he's going to be my stunt man and so you could see like he was rooting for him Mm -hmm. but also like you know cliff was like helping his his um his self-esteem helping rick's self-esteem by like telling him you got this you know yeah you got this you know and so it just it was such a great relationship to watch it was just so fantastic and what's really weird and really too bad is that we didn't get them that much of them both on screen together that's true like we got a lot of them one like one or the other we got a lot of leo we got a lot of brad but not enough in my opinion together like i would have enjoyed a little bit more they they were were, yes they were they were well executed moments too like you definitely got their the impression of their relationship and it was well established so i was okay with it okay like i I could i have had more yes but i was good with the amount. What did you think about the amount of Margot Robbie? I I at first thought it was odd how much we were getting of her. Um, or how little. Well, so I was a little confused at first until it's kind of one of those films where like you have to watch the whole story to really understand what he was doing. Mm-hmm. So... It was clearly like how these neighbors interacted, basically how how this story interacted with Sharon Tate's character. So you had to show Sharon Tate's a little bit of her life and establish her life a little bit to understand why we would care that she didn't die and that they didn't get to her house. But I was surprised that we didn't see a little bit more of her. And yet I was kind of okay with how much we did see of her. I was fine with it. I was fine. I think it was a perfect amount, but I was surprised that it was so little. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because she was so heavily featured in the trailers and everything but like I that. But I think the thing that I was kind of relieved about like throughout the film was like, okay, this is not like a biopic. Right, right. So I was like happy about that. I was like, all right, so we're not just like, you know, seeing the woes of Sharon Tate or like the struggles of her. No, like this is a story and it primarily focuses on Rick Dalton and mm-hmm. Cliff. And I, I want to read something. I was talking with um, John Mills, who um, is a, a co-host on Aggressive Negotiations and Retrospective, which everybody should check out, and uh, A Little Less Than a Wife. He uh, <laughs> he says, like, so, like, we were all talking about, you know, about Margot Robbie and about how little she was in it. And he says, I took Robbie's role like Hitler like Hitler's in Inglorious Bastards, the, histor- the historical red herring. The story was about Rick and Cliff, and she was a historical anchor that plays against the audience's expectation. Mm-hmm. I think the fact that she's a name, as in Margot Robbie, came with too much of an expectation that she was a main character. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, I think that for for the story that was told, which I liked the story that was told, 
I felt like she was in it an appropriate amount of time. Because it was about, it was about Rick, Rick and, and Cliff. Cliff and how their story intertwined exactly with hers or prevented her death. Not about her, Mm-mm. but about how it prevented her death. Right. Because we didn't need to, you know, know, you know, we got to see a little bit of her, like, you know, checking out her own movie and mm-hmm. stuff like that, that. Nice. and you know you you basically what Tarantino was doing is like he's giving you enough of emotional connection to care mm-hmm. um but not so much that we have to know like the insecurities of sharon tate like we know the insecurities of rick dalton like we're talking we're we're focusing on rick's character not on sharon tate uh i liked cliff a whole lot more than i liked rick well you don't I, don't, I mean, aren't you supposed to? He's like the easygoing one, right? Yeah. I just, I felt like his storyline was more interesting to me. Oh, okay. I, uh, when, there was a lot of times when we were with Rick, um, I was kind of like, okay, this is a long scene. Let's, let's get back to Brad Pitt. Let's get back to Brad Pitt. But of course, I'm always that way when I watch a movie. Let's get back to Brad Pitt. Whatever. Who is, <laughs> who, who is this person? <laughs> See, I think like, I think it would be boring without Rick's character. Oh, no. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're just I'm, saying you just liked his storyline no, more? No, I liked Rick's okay. storyline and I liked Rick himself. I thought it was very interesting to see how insecure he actually is right. and how he's able to overcome it. I love that. Like, I, I love it when we see the inner depths of a character and they are failing and failing and you want nothing but them to succeed and then they do. I right. hate that whole subverting expectations crap right, right. where like you see someone, you know, come up to it and they, they fall short and it's just like, oh, that's real life. Well, screw you. I'm not here to watch <laughs> real life, obviously. Uh, so I really yeah, appreciated no. that. So yeah. I, no, I like his character. I like his storyline. Yeah. And I love the two of them together. But there were times when I felt like his scene kind of lingers a little well, too long. Yeah, but I think they also gave like Cliff more interesting interesting things to do right like mm-hmm. you know fighting bruce lee and going to the manson the compound manson complex is way more interesting than you know leo dicaprio just on set right Sitting in his like trailer yeah crying. it just it just is it's more interesting so mm. i think it i think that you kind of it's hard to say like yes did i enjoy him more as a character absolutely but Really, what I enjoyed was the two of them. Yes, yes, very much so. Mm-hmm. And the one-liners. Oh yeah, just right off. I mean, Tarantino just always gives you such great one-liners. Oh yeah, absolutely. He's he's just a genius when it comes to those things where you're just like, oh, that's amazing. And when we were at the Playboy Mansion, and then um, they had Steve McQueen explain the uh, the the ro- the romantic triangle. Between Sharon, um, Tate. Sharon Tate and Roman Polanski, and I think his name was Jerry. Jerry, yeah. Um, her former fiance. Like you had Steve McQueen um, explain it, and then he was explaining it to a woman. I don't know who she was, and she said, uh, "Like, yeah, she definitely has a type." And he's like, "What are you talking about?" Well, a uh, a, a really creative and talented um, man with long hair, short, short, man. short brown hair who looks like a twelve-year-old boy. <laughs> And then Steve McQueen takes a drag from a cigarette. And he's like, I never had a chance. <laughs> because yeah. Steve McQueen is a man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Or was a man. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things where like, and that's such a great way to establish like, okay, who's this Who's this guy yeah. who's always with them, yeah. you know, uh, at the party? and. I was laughing too because I was like, I just want to go to that Playboy Mansion party. And the you tamest. Were, you were like, that is the tamest Playboy Mansion party 
ever depicted in film <laughs> and i was like i know it looks like so much fun like everyone has their clothes on everyone's just like even clothed in the pool and they're just like dancing by themselves that it's sounds like, just like dancing a, back and forth that's and my kind of dancing i was yeah. like that's fantastic i want to go to that party <laughs> i was like all right i'm it was a very like i was like quentin tarantino is very tame in this moment why yeah. is he so tame and on, uh, like honestly like as far as tarantino goes up until the very last scene you know this he was by his own standards yes very tame oh my gosh yeah very tame and like, I mean, of course he was throwing did around we have the any like sex? crazy no no there there was no sex no there was sex. no nudity um there was one sexual reference right um and then you had ultra super violence at the end <laughs> yes but here's the thing they're the Manson family, and we know what they would have done mm-hmm. in this. It, well, what they did do in reality. So you did not care how murdered they got, and no. they got murdered so hard, so hard. It was so cathartic. Yeah, for people who and know they, the story, and he knew that. Yes, he knew he exactly knew it, what he was he doing. He knew he could push it just a little further each each blow, each kill. Yes, like he like Tarantino knew. He's like, there's going to be no remorse for these characters. No. There's going to be no reservations. Right. And he's right. We were 100% behind him. We're just yeah. like, murder them. Torture them. Yeah. Do whatever you want to do to cathartic. them. It was cathartic. It was like, yes, kill them in the worst possible way. It was because our Because they're baser- horrible, horrible people. Yes. It was our baser instincts. It's it was so our, true. It was our lizard Neanderthal brains coming yes. out saying, kill those people. Yeah. And it was, you know, just... um. I know like we we mentioned before seeing this film, we mentioned what like that Sharon Tate was going to, you know, the character of short Sharon Tate was going to be in this film. I remember your mom just being like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. that was so, oh my gosh, how horrific, oh my gosh. You know, just it made an impression on a generation. It really did. And um, whenever, you know, someone dies in a horrific way, but this was such a, and I was doing some research after we watched the film of like, and maybe someone knows more than I do, but like the research, I w- it wasn't really 100% clear as to why. His motivation. His motivation was not like, oh, because he did this or because she did this or because he felt. It was like, and I think that's also what like creeped people out so much was just because like the motivation wasn't super clear and certain things are just completely off limits and she was. Mm-hmm. And so... Like the fact that Tarantino just brutally murdered them, we were like, "This is just the grossest, like horrifying images we were watching." But you're okay with it. And on top of that, he had Brad Pitt's character tripping on acid, right? And so that, in I'm not saying in life, right? But in the audience's mind, in the in the the rule book of right. movie magic, exactly. It, it made certain acts okay because, like, if a sober person did this, even to even to home invaders, right? You'd be, be like, like, "This guy's a psychotic." There's person. something wrong with he's broken. Like, you're a broken man. Right. You need to be in a mental institution if you brutally killed people this way, even home invaders. Right. But because he was tripping on acid, <laughs> it was okay in some way. We were able to justify it, right? It's movie logic. Yeah, exactly. It's not real it's, life. It's movie logic. It's movie logic. Just like movie logic when we're saying like, yes, kill them. It's movie logic. Right. We're not saying no. yes, actually kill no, them. No, you know. no. It's just one of those things where 
again, it just goes to your basic instincts of like, mm-hmm. well, it's okay because she was on acid. Yeah, or like like when you're watching another movie and you're just like, oh, she was so rude to him. I hope she dies. Like, right, right. You like, never you say that in real that. life. Right, yeah. exactly. It's a movie. Exactly. Um, but it was like the kind of violence that they had. Like you and I were so into it because we knew Tarantino was going to take it over oh, the top. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you always expect that. When the violence started, you knew it was going to go further than it possibly needed to and it just but it just each level kept shocking you more and more to the point where like we were grabbing each other and just going oh like that loud (laughs) in the theater it's true and uh and then at the very end when you think it's almost over (laughs) leonardo DiCaprio comes out with a freaking flamethrower And just torches the last one, the last girl who's alive. Flamethrower. Yes. And when he walks out with that, you're just like, yes. Oh, seriously. And they had already established that he has the thing in his like. He knew how to use it. He knew how to use it, and it was just like, yeah. And you know what? If that was in your pool, and jumped in your pool house, yeah. If you, yeah, like you would, (laughs) like honestly. Yeah, why not? (laughs) I have a flamethrower. There's a home intruder. I'd be stupid not to. <laughs> Who has a gun? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. has a gun. Yeah. Um, yeah. I um, there was a few like I mean it's really hard to for me. I want to see it again. Um, it's hard for me to like pinpoint like honestly a lot of weaknesses. I mean I'm sure I can next time we watch it. Like I'm sure there's gonna be things that pop up. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think about them using footage from the Wrecking Crew? Um, oh. where they didn't use, they didn't like put Margot Robbie into it. But then when they showed this random footage of the Great Escape with Leo's character in it, which I feel like was that a dream? That was a very confusing scene. Okay, because we had Timothy Oliphant's character talking to who we love, by the way, who we love very much. There's a lot of handsome people in this movie. <laughs> um, it was he was talking with Leonardo DiCaprio and. Um, Leo was talking about, you know, his, his former roles and what he almost got. And like Oliphant said, like, was it true? You almost got, you know, you you almost shot Great Escape. And Leo uh, said like, he didn't, you know, like it was down between him and like three other guys. But then all of a sudden we get flashes of scenes of him in the Great Escape and Mm -hmm. they used footage from the Great Escape. Right. Like they digitally composited Leo over Steve McQueen. Right. Into this film. Like, they forescumped it. Mm-hmm. And I was just kind of like, wait, is he lying to Timothy Oliphant? Like, is he saying, like, he's like, oh, yeah, I didn't, I was like, I was almost in it, but I wasn't cast in it. It was just between me and three other guys. And he's just imagining what it would have been like if he was in the movie? Or did they actually shoot some of it? Right. But he got fired. Yeah. But they didn't explain that. No, they didn't. And so when I saw that, I was thinking when she, when Margot Robbie's Sharon Tate walks into the theater because she's going to watch her own movie, I was like... And that was first, I think. In the I don't think so. No? No, it came after. Okay. I'm pretty sure it came yeah. after. I'm pretty sure it came after because okay. I had that feeling okay. of, oh, well, um, Sharon Tate, like Margot Robbie is going to be in this film. Okay. That she's going to watch. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be Sharon Tate. It's they're going to they're they, going to force Gump. It. They didn't do they that. They didn't. They just kept Sharon. So Tate. So it kind of made me feel like maybe that was just like Rick Dalton imagining that he was in the Great Escape and what kind of job he would do. Yeah. With the role. I think it, it could be a couple different things. Margot Robbie, how they dressed her up and how they did her makeup, 
does look a lot like she Sharon looks Tate. a lot like Sharon like Tate. she's a dead ringer for Sharon Tate she is um so I think they probably thought okay well we don't have to I think I even read that relatives like when they saw her performance like started crying because she even like got the voice right like she did such a good job and like you can do a lot with makeup and also mm-hmm. in um in the movie like Wrecking Crew She's she, kind of she has a lot. Yeah. She's dressed up. She has a different hair color. Right. She has her eye makeup is different. Right. And so you can you can say a lot through it. You can say like, oh, she was just you know. You can logic it away. Also, she was murdered horribly, and maybe they thought it was disrespectful to replace her. Yeah. In her work. Yeah. Which like, I like, think all are valid. Points. Yeah, because unfortunately, I feel like Sharon Tate's known because of her murder, mm-hmm. and not More because so of her, her work. And so like. Maybe Tarantino is like, hey, let's like showcase her work just a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of be in awe of it right. like for a moment. So that's possible too. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it could have been all of those things. Mm-hmm. One of those things or all of them. Yeah. Or any. Yeah. It was a little, in- I-, I just found it interesting because it was like, I guess I was just trying to interpret, like I, I was totally respected keeping Sharon Tate mm-hmm. in Wrecking Crew. But I was a little like, wait, what are we seeing when we were watching? That was uh, ambiguous. Yeah, The, Great, the Great Escape. Escape. Mm-hmm. That was very ambiguous. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, was there anything that you didn't like in the movie? Anything where you're just like, hmm. eh. No, I I mean, honestly. Nothing like, with Kurt Russell? Oh, you do. You're <laughs> I was trying to set oh, you up. Okay. So I did not feel like any of the narration was needed. Well, you went to pee during the second part of the narration. <laughs> That's true. So, like, yeah, Rick Dalton got married while I was peeing, and he, he made four he films, made four in, films six in six months, and I missed all that. And then they were like on a plane back to the U.S. by the time I got back. And so that they was had fun. a conversation where um, Rick had to fire a cliff because he couldn't afford yeah, him anymore. So all that happened, <laughs> and then I was like, "Well, crap!" Like. Why did I go at that time? I don't Whereas know. I think you missed like, where were they? I went to pee when they were at the Mexican restaurant. Yeah. They were both just eating and like talking and like, <laughs> well, Kurt Russell was talking then too. He was like, oh, he was? Yeah. He was just saying, <laughs> you didn't miss anything. <laughs> Basically, he was just saying like, yeah, Sharon Tate was hot because, you know, she was very pregnant. Basically saying that because like it was a really hot night and it was just like, that's all you missed. Honestly. <laughs> And then, like you know, uh, uh, I'm telling you, it's a six. Uh, I, I know, I know. Well, we can't go can pee be. together because nope. you have to be there, or I have to be. Anyway, it's I'll, like a I'll see it when we own it. I guess, no. whatever. Um, but you didn't really dig on the narration. No, I just felt like there was no point. Like, and it felt it wasn't consistent. So, like, if it was consistent, okay, all the way through, mm-hmm. like. Royal Tenenbaums, okay? Yeah, because it's not like it, you don't like narration. No, I like narration. I love narration. I like Kurt Russell's voice. But Good man. it did not feel appropriate when they were using it. It also felt like we could easily do this with like title cards when we were, because we used those all throughout, like where it was like... Six months later. Well, no, they did that though. They did, and, yeah. And they also did like locations and they also did times, like during the Mexican restaurant scene, they were like, this is, you know, 8.30, you know, p.m. or whatever. So it just felt like, why why is he talking? I feel like if it was just the middle, like if it was if it was just the beginning of the third act where they jumped six months forward, if they had narration just there, I think it would have been fine. I disagree. What? Why? Why? Like, 
Okay, here's... You mean we had never heard narration up until that point? Yeah. No. That's terrible. What? What? No, because, okay, that first time we hear narration, it was for like five seconds. And it was like a... It took me out of it. I didn't like it. It it totally took you out of the... Out of the film, where it's just like, oh, that's a lie. It's because he because he he, uh, he was drunk and he got his license taken away. Boom! Back into the film. You're like, okay, is this going to be a thing? Like, are we going to hear him pop up? And we didn't. And so I thought that was weird. But when we get to the to the beginning of the third act, and we have a huge time jump where he is now married and he it's like he made four films in six months. There's no way we could have covered that in a good amount of time. Uh, there like there was like maybe you could have done that with a montage. Yes. But yes, you could have. I'm saying is that there was narration, and if you wanted to do the narration, that's the way to do it, is just do that six-month jump, and then don't do it at the Mexican restaurant. Don't do it with the drunk driving. I disagree. I think you have to be consistent. I think you have to do it all the way through, like, sporadically, like, or you have to... What they did was not enough, and I don't think that you could... I don't think that it should have happened right at for, like, if you just have it six months later part. I don't think that works either. You're wrong. I don't care. Okay, but you're wrong. <laughs> I'm, and it, I'm it, fine. it took me out of it. I didn't think there was any purpose to it because we were able to gather everything that they told us in that narration. If they just gave us a montage or just like what they were doing at the Mexican restaurant, like time, whatever, mm-hmm. and then just have her talk and be like, oh, I'm just hot. That's all you needed. Okay? Yeah. Like, well, I'm, you no, I'm it. saying the Mexican restaurant narration was pointless from what you've described. Yeah, that I get. Okay. I'm fine with being wrong if I am. I don't care. Well, you are, but that's all right. That's all right. I still love you. Uh, so I think we've been going for a while. It's over an hour. Um, that's because it's an amazing film. We should probably let these people go. Uh, <laughs> so how would you how would you rate this on a star rating? On a five-star rating, how would you rate this film? Have I ever given in something a five-star? No. Is that Are you considering I think, that? I think this might be a five-star for me. Wow. I know. This I don't could, think this has ever happened in their nuptial history. This could be the first time that you give a star rating higher than me. Really? Yeah. What? Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, normally you are... I am uh, brutal. You are mm-hmm. a brutal star mm-hmm. critic. Like you are... You are. Even though I did not like Curse Russell's narration, <laughs> it did not lower the star for me. Like you, like when you give a star rating, it really earns that star rating. I, I think it did. I am very loose. I am. I, you are. I, you're loosey goosey. I am loosey goosey. Like I'm drunk on prom. Like I, <laughs> like I am. I am that loose with my stars. <laughs> and um, and so when I gave I gave this one four and a half. Okay. And when I gave it four and a half, I'm just like, am I being too loose? Really? You know, like him because I'm was, so harsh. Yeah. Hmm. But like I wanted, like I gave a quick, like li- like when I I have a a, a letterbox diary, and on it I said. I was like, I got to see it again. I got to think about it. Um, I'm giving it four and a half stars, but I f- easily feel like this could be bumped up to five. Well, that's what I, I bet said. you're going to go do that right now. No, I'm keeping it at four no, and a half right now. No, you just now. need to see it again? Yeah. Okay. Because that narration, man, it's just... That's, that's just really kidding. what just, just killed it for you. No, I, I honestly, there's not much. I mean, and again, like, even though I, I clearly did not like the narration and I felt like it was unnecessary... It didn't change how much I loved this movie. No, no it was just it was fantastic. Like, hey. uh, yeah, four four and a half for me. Four and a half stars. I'm gonna stick with my five. Which I mean, that's the thing is that like five stars is like Godfather. And, I know. And um, but this could Toy turn Story. out being this could with time 
be my favorite Tarantino. I, I, that was going to be my my next question because you have Pulp Fiction first, then Kill Bill, and what would you have after that? Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, probably. Same with me. Okay. Where would you put it? As of right now, seeing it one one time. <sighs> Only one time is. I really have a hard time. I mean, I definitely know I would like it more than Reservoir Dogs. Same. Um, but I'm wondering if it kind of fits in between Pulp Fiction and Kill Bill for me. Like, that's kind of what I'm questioning. I'm, if not, I don't know. Like, it, it could be. I think Pulp Fiction is still... Number one. Number one for yeah. me. It's just so classic. I think Kill Bill Volume 2 is still number, number two, two for me. Really? But I think how uh, Once Upon a Time is nestled in between Volume 1 and Volume 2. Well, and I view them as one whole thing, so... <sighs> so this is... So it's essentially the same. <laughs> Yeah, but with time, I wonder. I yeah. really do wonder how it'll rank for me because I liked it that much. Yeah, I I really was jazzed with this film. I think the only other time I was super jazzed like this with a film was Infinity War. Mm. And that was a t- completely different type Yeah, it's of hard feeling. to... Like Infinity War felt like a... Um, a prize mm-hmm. after 10 years yeah. of competing for something. Right. Um, I, I felt like it was dessert. Like mm-hmm. Infinity War was dessert after after having 10 years of a meal. And with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it's it's standalone. It's its right. own thing. It's an right. original story. And you're just, you get that, it just, you get that same jazzed feeling. Like Infinity War needed, you know, all those 20 some films to back it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just a different type of film. It's just a completely... Yeah. It's, it's apples and oranges. Right. But having that in, Feeling. enjoyment quotient, that mm-hmm. entertainment quotient, right. was Infinity War. Um, was, was like Infinity War. But it, it's t- like we said, it's totally different. But I was just left the theater like, that was so entertaining. Like, that is why I go to the movies. Yeah, absolutely. That's how I feel too. Yeah. You should go see it again. <laughs> it's an almost three-hour movie, and we have a toddler, so that's it's, true. It's probably not going to happen until it probably, comes out. But but would we want to? Yes, yes very much so. Hundred percent. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, please, please, please uh, give us a rating on Apple Podcasts if you have the time. It really does help us out. And uh, please tell your friends about us. Uh, we uh, will try to podcast as much as we can and as often as we can. So please, word of mouth really helps us out. If uh, if you know uh, people who would like our dynamic or like our opinions or uh, or find them interesting, please uh, let them know. Send the link to your friends and your families and your coworkers. Uh, go to the nerdparty.com slash nerdnuptial. From there, you can find out all the ways that you can listen to us as well as all of our backlogged episodes. And uh, you can find us all over on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You can find me personally on Twitter at the Insane Robin. And uh, oh, oh, another thing! How cool was it that we got to see BB in uh, Once Upon I a know, Time? Right? Yeah, she only had BB one quick from, shot. Uh, Kill Bill. Yeah, but it was still her. Yeah. And let us know um, what you thought about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes. Uh, do you think I'm crazy for giving it five stars? Uh, or you know, did you like Death Proof more? Or <laughs> oh God. <laughs> You know what? I don't want to know. You know what? I don't want to know from you. I don't want to know if if you like Death Proof more. Um, No, just tell us what you think of the movie, what you thought. Was there certain things that bothered you? Did you like the narration with Kurt Russell? (laughs) Did you not? Tell us what you think. Yes, and you can do that by going to the nerdparty.com slash contact and uh, selecting Nerd Nuptial from the drop-down menu. Fill out the form. It'll send us an email. And also, you can reach out to us on social like all the ways that I talked about before. I love you. I know. Scully. Yes? Marry me. 
I love you and I like you. I love you and I like you. I love that woman. I love her more than sharks love blood. I love you. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.